The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Thanks so much. Isn't that great? Uh, just all those kids, those are all kids that uh, Christian Relief Fund supports around the world. We're in about 30 different countries, and I am so glad to be here. It's been a long time since I've been at this congregation. I think... Uh, most of you probably weren't alive the last time I was here, but it was, uh, it was great to get an invitation from Ken and Alice to come and speak here, and Ken is such an encouragement to me, he really is, and a great supporter of our ministry, and thank you so much, brother, for, for uh, asking me to share, and especially, I can't think of a better time than Mission Sunday, it's great to be with Ben again. Last time I remember that I was with you, Ben, I was borrowing your golf clubs in Jinja, Uganda. That's, that's the last time I saw you. I wish y'all could go to Uganda and see the great work that the Langerfords had done there. I mean, you would just be thrilled and, and excited that you're working with him here uh, and seeing the great things that he's done there. Thank you for that, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, I, it's been a really a homecoming. I've had a lot of people from Seattle kind of all over here to, uh, to be here today, and I'm really thankful to see them, and I think a few people from Amarillo, so I feel right at home. And uh, can you find me in this picture? This is in Haiti. Uh, can you see me? I'm the one that's wearing orange. Okay, that's how you recognize me. I wear orange. And orange is a color at Christian Relief Fund, and uh, what we do at Christian Relief Fund is we help children. And that's our bread and butter ministries. We help children. I have a bunch over here on my little table that you can uh, be there. And the beautiful Barbie Jones will be back there at the table afterwards. And uh, she'll help you. If you want to help a kid that just needs some help, needs some hope, I mean, for about a dollar a day, you know, 35 a month, you can totally support a child. You can get them food. You can get them lodging. You can get them an education. Uh, you can get them spiritual training for a dollar a month. I know in Amarillo, I spend a dollar uh, a dollar a day. It's not a dollar a month, a dollar a day. I spend a dollar a day, about like that. I don't even remember where the last dollar went at times. And to think that could totally help a kid. We also help uh, drill water wells for people that... Uh, we're in places like one place I'll share with you later. Uh, it hasn't rained there in eight years. Can you imagine? You know, it hadn't rained in Amarillo in 143 days. But can you imagine it not raining in eight years? People say, well, what happens? Well, people die. you got to have water. And so we're bringing uh, water to people. And we also help in disasters, whether it's a typhoon in the Philippines or a hurricane in Houston. We try to be there and, uh, and help. And that's what Christian Relief Fund. And I always wear orange. Let me tell you why we're orange, because maybe it'll uh, help you get where we're going here today. I was one day in Kasumu, Kenya, in the Olinda Slum. And they say the Olinda Slum is the most diseased place on the planet. You just kind of name the disease, and they've got it there. So I'm kind of walking around, and a bunch of AIDS orphans surrounded me. I mean, there was just, you know, probably 50 AIDS orphans, and they're just jumping up and down. And one of them says, said, Milton, did you know that orange is the color of hope? for AIDS orphans in sub-Saharan Africa. And I said, no, I didn't know that. And, uh, and they said, well, yeah, yeah. And they said, would you wear orange for us? And I said, well, sure, I'll wear orange for you. And then they said, every day? And I, I really wasn't thinking what that meant. <laughs> you know, and I said, sure. And I realized I just committed to these AIDS orphans that I'd wear orange every day the rest of my life. And you know where I went to school? I went to Texas Tech, and we are the 
red Raiders, okay? And, and, I just, and I just committed to wearing orange, you know, the rest of my life. So thank you for wearing orange. And I know some of you, it was really hard if you're a Sooner to wear orange. But thank you for making me feel at home. And uh, I brought some bands. If you forgot your orange and you're feeling guilty about it right now, I brought these little bands, uh, little orange bands, and you can get one at the table back here, and you can wear it. And it has the word for hope. Only it's the word for hope in Swahili. It's Tumaini. And it's the Swahili word for hope. And this is the new batch. You know, I didn't bring the old batch. On the old batch, you know, uh, I nearly spelled it correctly on the old batch. And in, in fact, I was, I think, I, I think it was in Uganda, and I'm passing out these, these, uh, these bracelets, and I say, and I've got here the Swahili word for hope, and somebody said, that's not the Swahili word for hope. And I said, what is, this, what is it the Swahili word for? And they said, lust. <laughs> now, why couldn't it have been kindness or, or, or grace or mercy? But it had, to be, it had to be that, you know? So... My name is Milton Jones, and I travel around the world passing out lust bracelets. So that's who I am. But let me tell you, I was in, I was in that slum I was talking about, the most diseased place on the planet. I was talking to somebody over here, and I looked, and I saw this kid, and he's to my left. Let me show you his picture here. Okay, this kid, he was there, and, I, and he just kept staring at me. And so I asked, who's that kid over there? And he says, well, he's come here to meet you. And I said, well, I like his shirt. And they said, it's not his shirt. And I said, what do you mean? He said... He said he, he knew you wore orange, so he went around the slum till he found somebody that had an orange shirt he could borrow so he could wear it when he met you. And I said, well, tell me about him. He said, well, he's an AIDS orphan. And you'll notice if you get close to him, he's got a big hump on his back. He said, that's a tumor. He said that he's here to meet you because he thinks that if he meets you, that you'll get him sponsored. You'll get a child sponsorship for him. And, and then he'll get to go to school because he doesn't go to school. And then he'll get food to eat because he doesn't really have food to eat. And then maybe he'll get a place to stay. And then he'll get to go to church and learn about the Bible and all this here. And he's thinking that's going to happen if he meets you. And so I thought, wow. So I walked over to him and bent down to shake his hand like you would. And what's the first question you would ask him as you're shaking his hand? What would you ask him? What's your name? Exactly. I said, what's your name? He looks back up at me and says, Milton. <laughs> really? His name was Milton. And I know it. I, I could not believe it. And I'm just kind of thinking this through. And it was one of those moments of a lifetime. Here's big Milton with the orange shirt. And here's little Milton with the orange shirt. Here's big Milton with the orange shirt who does not have AIDS, does not have parents who've died of AIDS, who does not have a tumor. And little Milton, he's lost his parents through AIDS. He's got a tumor here on his back. Here's big Milton who's got all kinds of money. Little Milton who doesn't have any. Here is big Milton who has gone to school, it seems like, forever. Little Milton who can't even go to school. Big Milton that's got a big house that's really nice. Little Milton has no place to go. And I finally just said, why? Why me and why him? And then it hit me that I have won the cosmic lottery. By being born where I was born and when I was born, 
I have won the cosmic lottery. Because there's no people in, in, in the history of the world who has had as much as we have. And I don't tell you that to make you feel guilty because that just won't do any good. I'm telling you that so you'll feel grateful, okay? We've been blessed so much and we have so much. And I'm not telling you to feel guilty because sometimes when you hear a story about little Milton, you just feel guilty. Okay, well maybe you can feel guilty for a little bit, but quickly start feeling grateful. And then you know what you need to do next? Give. And that's why we're here this morning. We're going to give. We're going to give to help. And that's what we've got to do. When we realize how blessed we are, to, Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is expected. So much is expected. Let me, let me share with you a verse here God just added to the Bible. Not really. But do you ever feel that way? You ever feel that way? You're reading your Bible, and all of a sudden there's a verse there, and you think, where'd that come from? I haven't seen that one before. And, and I feel like God just kind of slips in a verse every once in a while just to kind of keep me on my toes. And uh, anyhow, this is one. Let me set it up before, before I read it here. Let me set up. Why are you here today? I, th I think a lot of us are here because we really kind of like things to go well in our lives. You know, the alternative is scary, isn't it? Things, we don't want things to go bad in our lives. We want things to go well in our lives. And then we're probably here because we want to know God this morning, right? Look what this verse says. Jeremiah twenty-two sixteen. 16. It says, he defended the cause of the poor and needy. And so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. Wow, there's a lot in that verse, isn't there? You see, you want things to go well? You want to know me, God says? He says, defend the cause, the poor and needy. Talking about missions today, talking about compassion. Wow, that verse kind of gets it right there. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? I want to share with you another verse here in a second. And I call it God's economics. And uh, it's in that parable. It's just the strangest passage that I think Jesus ever gave. It's, it's that parable of the, the shrewd manager or the unjust steward. It's got a lot of different names like that. And when you read that, it's just really hard to understand. In fact, I didn't understand it until not too long ago when I had an experience that helped me understand it. But it's the story about where he got that employee, and he's lazy, and he's going to get fired because he doesn't do his work well, and he's just lazy. And so his boss is going to let him go. He knows that. So he goes out to all the accounts that they have, and he cuts them in half. Remember that? It'd be like, a, like a, you owe you know, $100,000 on your house loan, and your banker calls up, and he says, Hey, I'm going to cut your loan to $50,000. Would you like that? What are you going to say? Yeah, you're going to like that a lot. You going to recommend that bank? You bet you are. And, and so anyhow, everybody's going to like it except the guy who owns the bank, you know, and the bank president, of course. He would hate that, except in Jesus' story, it says that the manager commended the employee. And you think, what? And then he kind of gives this verse that's kind of the big aha verse of the passage. And I didn't understand it for a long time. He said in Luke 16, 9, he says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcome into eternal dwellings. When I first became president of a Christian Relief Fund, it was, was that big recession about eight years ago, something like that, that we had, the, the big mega recession that we had here. 
And I couldn't believe what happened. Uh, they hired me because it, as soon as that recession hit, Christian Relief Fund, who we sponsor all these kids around the world, just instantly 800 people quit sponsoring their kids. I mean, we couldn't believe it. Just dropped the kids. So we had 800 kids that had previously been sponsored and were no longer sponsored. And so they said, we're going to hire you to be president. Do something about that. And so, and so I, I started thinking that through, and I said, well, I'm going to devote myself to just traveling around, going to churches, talking to people, and getting those kids re-sponsored. And we're not going to cut any of them. All the money we're sending those kids, we're going to continue to send those kids. If we go bankrupt, we'll go bankrupt, but we're not going to stop helping a kid. And I said, but what we're going to do is we're not going to be able to start new works and new kids until we get the old kids re-sponsored. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? We'll see. Okay, I'm over in, uh, in Kisumu, Kenya, where I was telling you where I let, met little Milton, and we built an AIDS clinic there. And so I'm at our AIDS clinic, and uh, somebody interrupts the conversation I'm in, and so there's a man who's just walked here uh, two days to talk to you. And I said, well, send him in. So he comes in, I shake hands with him, and he sits down, and he wants to tell me his need, and he says, uh, I'm a teacher, but I'm a retired teacher, and I get a little bitty pension. And he says, we're in the midst of a big drought, and it hasn't rained in, in years where I live, and I'm a farmer, and so I can't really grow any crops where I live. And also, I have 123 AIDS orphans living with me on my farm. I said, you got what? And I turned to my friend Jared, and I said, Jared, is this guy for real? And Jared said, yeah, he's for real. He's got 123 AIDS orphans on his farm. And he said, well, I heard that you... Uh, you help sponsor children. And I was going to ask you if you'd help me with my 123 AIDS orphans. That's when I had the privilege of telling him my new policy. <laughs> you liked it too, okay? Now I get to tell him my policy. I said, I said, hey, we're in this big recession over here in the United States. And we had all these people who used to sponsor kids, and they don't sponsor kids anymore. And because of that, I really have got to get those kids re-sponsored, and I can't sponsor any new kids like yours. So, you know what this guy has the audacity to do? He stands up, walks across the room, he puts both of his hands on my shoulders, and he starts praying. And he prayed. He said, Lord, please bless this man. And bless the people in the United States where he comes from. They're going through this horrible recession. And help them and bless them. And give them food. And give them education. And please take care of them. Then he concluded his prayer. And said, thank you so much for listening. He starts walking out the door. And I turned to Jared and said, Jared, I can't even remember that guy's name. What was that guy's name? And he says, oh, him? Emmanuel. Remember what that means, don't you? <laughs> As I recall, that means God with us. I just had Jesus pray over our recession. Is what that meant. And I remember Matthew 25, as we've done to the least of these, we've done to Jesus, really. Well, you're wondering, did I ever repent? Yeah, I did. Broke the rules. And... But, it, but the way I got there is at first I didn't help him because I kind of tried to keep the rules. And then uh, Rick actually, some of y'all know Rick, and he, he asked me to preach at the Hills Church. 
And uh, he said, Mill, come preach here and tell one of your good stories. Tell a good story. Got a new good story? I said, well, I do. I've got this story about Emmanuel. He says, tell that one. He's, and I said, well, really, Rick, I hate telling that story because I've told it several times, and I feel like I'm using Emmanuel. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I keep telling his story, and it's a good sermon illustration, but I've never really helped him. And I said, I can only tell his story if we'll help him. And Rick says, we'll sponsor the orphans. So, you know, how many are there? He says, you're bound to get that many here. So anyhow, we, we went there and we got all the orphans sponsored. And so I go back, you know, to, to help with Emmanuel's 123 orphans and find out that he's now got 319. And, uh, <laughs> and so I went into a room with Emmanuel. I said, tell me all about this ministry and tell me about your needs. And he started telling me. And he said, you know, we're very needy here. But he said, if you go to this other place real close, you can really see it from here. It's called Mount Elgon. He says, there's a lot of war orphans up there that are a lot more needy than my kids. Maybe you should start there. And Jesus said, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcome into eternal dwellings. And here, I think I got a picture of Emmanuel's place. I think this is the room I was in when I was talking to Emmanuel. And these are all some of those 123 AIDS orphans that are there. But that passage, it says, I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into internal dwellings. So he says, use your wealth on earth. Okay, use your wealth on earth. We all have got some wealth. It varies from person to person here, but we all have some. He says, use your wealth on earth, what we have now. He says, use it because one day it's going to be gone. And you got that one down, right? All the money you've got, one day it's going to be gone. One day you die, and you don't have that money. He says, so use your money here on earth in such a way, so because it is going to be gone, but use it in such a way, he says, that you gain friends for yourselves. So that when you go into eternal dwellings, you will be welcomed. Because of the way you used your money here. I still didn't get that. For years, I just didn't get that until I walked out of that room. I'm in the room with Emmanuel, and I walk out, and I had my phone, so I recorded it. And this is what I saw. And it just keeps going on. I bet it goes on for 20 more minutes. All these kids, they're just gathered there, and they're saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And they don't stop. They just keep thanking you. And right then, it kind of dawned on me, as I jumped back into that, that uh, passage there in Luke 16, I thought, maybe that's kind of what Jesus is talking about. Maybe this is a foretaste of heaven that I'm experiencing right here. And Jesus says, because of the way you use your money here, there will be people here, friends, when you go into eternal dwellings, who will welcome you. And I thought, that's kind of what heaven's going to be like. 
going to be a bunch of people like those little kids. They're going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And they won't do it for 20 minutes. They'll have an eternity to keep thanking. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Just kind of that thought. You know, we're about to give here in just a few moments, aren't we? Hope you remembered. If not, start thinking that way, okay? We're about to give in just a few minutes. And, and uh, because of what we do with our money here, it affects eternal dwellings. One of these days, I feel good about this church. I really do. Because one of these days, you're going to enter eternal dwellings. And there's going to be some people there from Cross and Crown Ministry. People right here in Oklahoma. People that you've met and people you have not met. And you're going to enter eternal dwellings. And you know what? They're going to be saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for that meal. Thank you for that word of encouragement. Thank you for sharing Jesus. Wouldn't be here without you. Thank you. There's going to be people that wouldn't speak your language, but somehow God will get it all worked out in eternal dwellings. But they, they, they are, they're from Belgium. Brazzles had a ministry there, and, and they're from Belgium. And some of you in your lifetime will never get to Belgium. But when you, return, when you enter eternal dwellings, you will have people from Belgium that will say, thank you, thank you, thank you, because of how you use your money here. There'll be people from Germany. And they'll be saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Applauding, because the way you used your money here it affected them in their life. There'll be little kids, little bitty kids from Honduras, from Catacombas, Honduras. They wouldn't have had a place to stay. They wouldn't have food to eat. They would not be going to school today if it were not for you. And those little kids will be kind of like those little kids. And they'll be saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There'll be some kids and some adults and all kinds of people from Rwanda. People of all places who seem to have no hope. And they'll be there saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because of you and what you've done, you've given us hope. You've given us hope. And I'm not doing this saying that you can just buy people into heaven. That's not my point here. I'm saying that what you, what you give here really changes people's lives. And they discover the grace of our almighty God. And they enter eternal dwellings but they will have the realization that you helped them. Thank you. Thank you. Emmanuel died not too long ago. His last words to me were these. He said, thank you. A trillion times. The BBC came out with this study recently, and uh, it was the best way to affect people in a long-term way that are in poverty. And I was scared to read the articles. I thought, Oh, that's what I do, and I'm probably doing the wrong thing. But I kind of like the article, because the first thing it said is the best thing you can do is to sponsor a child, okay? <laughs> and so I know y'all are doing that in Catacombas, and that's so good. If you're not, i got plenty back here you can sponsor too. But, uh, but then the second way is they said, uh, they said, bring them clean water. And at that time, I really wasn't doing that. But then I found out a place that wasn't too far from where I'd been working where it had not rained in eight years. It was a place called Turkana, the northwest part of Kenya. And it was one of the worst droughts in the history of the world. And so 
I wanted to start helping up there, and so I started getting some other people to drill for us, and we were never hitting water, and it was costing $20,000 a pop for not hitting water. It really wasn't a very good investment, but we thought, somebody's got to try. People kept saying, there's no water here. Then I went to school at where? Texas Tech. The chairman of the board of Texas Tech decided to give us a water well rig that would drill 900 feet. It cost him $600,000, and he bought that for us so that we could dig deep enough to hit water because he said, nobody's been digging deep enough. There's plenty of water, I believe. He said, but there's not a rig that can go that deep that's up there. So we started that, and then we, it reduced our price to $10,000. And then the guy who is uh, the CEO of Justin Boots says, I'm going to match every gift. And so he started matching where people were able to drill a well for 5000 Every time it was 5000 we drilled a well. And, and it was just amazing. And we started hitting. In fact, we hit on 98 of our last 100 wells up there. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's worth laughing about. Because we got hope. And on every well we drilled, we put this first, Psalms 107.35. But the Lord can also turn deserts into lakes and scorched land into flowing streams. Isn't that great? He gives hope. You may be the desert, but that doesn't mean God can't bring water there. So let me tell you my best hope story, since I'm wearing orange today. I'll tell you my very best hope story. And it happened right there and in Turkana. And it was a story. I told you we hit 98 out of the last 100. Let me tell you one we didn't hit. <clears throat> when we drill a well, we drill where the water is, not where the people are. And so what happens is when we drill a well, before we can get there, people start gathering all around us and, and start praying and hoping that we'll hit water. Because if we hit water, the first thing we do is we plant a church there with all these people that are gathered around there. In fact, we've planted, in the last three years, we've planted 108 churches just in that Turkana area, and which is really, really cool. And we start farms because now there's water. And we basically start a community. We bring in goats. And we start a school, and then we get kids sponsored, you know. And so we get all that, and those people get that if we hit water. If we don't hit water, they don't get that. And so we don't hit water. And let me show you this picture, this old man here. There's an old man. Old man on the left here. Well, we don't hit water. And so the old man on the left, he comes up to us and said, I know you're about to pull that rig out of here. And about to leave, he said, I know you didn't hit water, and I'm pretty disappointed. I was hoping there'd be a church here, there'd be a community here, there'd be goats here. I was hoping all that. And he said, and I know you're about to leave, but could I do one thing before you leave? And so we said, well, what do you want to do? And he says, I want to pray over that spot one more time where you're drilling. And I said, okay. So this old man, he gets down on his knees, and he starts praying. He prays for 30 minutes right on the spot where we've been drilling. And, he said, and so then he finished his prayer, and he says, Wait, you can't leave yet. I prayed. Let's wait a little bit, see what might happen. So we waited five hours, and uh, five hours later, we go over to this test pumping unit, and we turn it on, and you know what comes out? Water. A bunch of it. Water. And, and, I mean, it was, just, it was just so cool. And so we're rejoicing. People are jumping up and down. And, and, then, and then the old man comes back over to us, and he says, you don't know what just happened. I said, yeah, you prayed. We got water. He says, no, you don't quite get it. He said, I have prayed in this spot for water every day of my life. 
I said, wow. He said, but you don't get it. He said, do you know why I pray for water in this spot every day of my life? Because my father before me came to this spot and prayed for water every day of his life. He said, whoa. He said, but you don't get it. You know the reason my father prayed for water in this spot every day of his life? is because my grandfather came to this spot and prayed for water every day of his life. And I started looking at this old man and then trying to think about his father. And then I realized right then, they've been praying for water at this very spot for over a hundred years. That's hope. When you'd pray for water for over a hundred years and not give up in God. And to keep asking and to keep turning for his help. And then he turned to me and he says, thank you. (laughs) You're the answer to our prayers. And what I just found out a couple of days ago, and I didn't put it together, and I can't wait to go back and tell this story to somebody else, but right before I came here, I thought, I'm going to learn more about that story. And so I called Andrew Brown, who organizes all of our water, uh, and where where we drill and we get the money to, to drill for this for a well and then we drill it and sometimes Andrew always pays attention but I don't sometimes pay attention maybe who gives the money and what drill it, well it actually drills and so I called Andrew and I said Andrew who, who paid for that well uh, he said uh, who paid for that well because I, I don't really know who paid for that well it's such a good story I was just wondering who, who paid for the well and he said you don't know and I said no I have no idea who paid for the well he says he said well, the church where you're an elder paid for that. He said, y'all had a missions deal. You had that big missions deal, and you gave money, and you paid for that well. And now there's a church there. There's a farm there. There's a school there. There's all that things. And, and I'm thinking, you know, one of these days, that church where I go to church in Amarillo, some of them are going to go into eternal places. There's going to be three old men that are going to be welcoming them, shaking heads and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's what I'm saying, that this contribution we're about to give, you might say, oh, it's just another contribution. No, it's going to be helping people. And because of it, people will be in eternal dwellings. And they'll be very, very grateful for all time for what we do here today. Lord, thank you so much for this church. And thank you for the people who are going to be helped all around the world. And we'll be very, very thankful because of what we're doing here today. So bless the money that we give. We know we're going to lose it anyway. And so help us to use it in such a way that it helps people. And it'll be pretty great for us as we enter into eternal dwellings. And we actually see the way that you have blessed and graced the money that we give today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.